0: Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we sit here in these few moments, quiet our hearts, our minds. We pray that we would just be able to hear today what you would have us to hear. Help us to get set aside the distractions of the morning, of the day, of the week that we would be present here. Father, thank you for meeting us right here with us. We give you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm convinced that when it comes to home repairs, there are fix-it people and there are not fix-it people. (laughs) Fix-it people know how to fix things and like fixing things. Not fix-it people don't like fixing things and don't know how to fix them. Brian and I are not fix-it people. (laughs) It takes two of us to screw in the light bulb. That's kind of where we're coming from. Now, thankfully, we have people in our lives that are fix-it people, people like our friend Kenny. Everybody needs a friend and a fix-it person like Kenny. Well, this summer, right before we went on vacation in July, 4th of July, our garage fridge, which is our extra fridge that has, is old and just keeps all the extra stuff and stuff things in the freezer, it stopped working. Thankfully, we found out it wasn't actually the fridge, it was the outlet that the fridge plugged into. So we had to scramble. We were going out of town the next day, so we got a different um, extension cord. This is our lovely outlet. Oh, this isn't working now? OK. <laughs> There we go. So, just a standard garage outlet. And maybe this, I have to point it certainly. certain way. All right. <laughs> and we got this lovely extension cord. Hello. We love technology. Yes, we do. <laughs> that we had to put under the door from our garage into the room. This is Brian's office. Brian's office, all the way around the room into the outlet that worked. And that was a temporary solution. We went on our one-week vacation. We call, came back, and we called Kenny. Kenny has fixed a lot of things for us. He came over. He made two efforts to fix this outlet. The, the wires were live. He knew that, the, that you know, what was designed inside of that was working. But for whatever reason, he couldn't get the outlet to work. And he suggested we call an electrician. Well, my husband, when it comes to not being able to fix things, likes to sometimes think they just heal themselves. (laughs) He's a pastor. He believes in miracles. Um, But this did not heal itself. And we did end up calling an electrician. And so three months later, just last Friday, our outlet got fixed. So there's no longer this long uh, extension cord in the uh, office. But the outlet was hardwired for a purpose to provide electricity and energy in order to bring life to that refrigerator. It wasn't working the way it was designed. It wasn't serving the purpose for which it was created. And I think sometimes we're the same way. We're in the second week of our study at Becoming a Mom with a Mission. Last week, our study introduced us to being moms on a mission as we looked at what it means to become the Women God wants us to be, created us to be. Cheryl gave us the beautiful opportunity as she wrapped up her lecture of saying yes to following God's mission for our lives, even if we didn't know fully what that meant. Well, today we're going to talk about purpose. What's our purpose? How do we live out that purpose? So we're going to begin with the fact that we are hardwired for purpose. Hardwired for purpose. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12, in the message says, it's in Christ, I'm sorry, this is going to, it's in Christ, Whoops. Technical difficulties. Oh, let's see. I'm going to start from the beginning here. Make sure all these things work before we start, and then for some reason, they're not okay. There we go. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. He is working out in everything and everyone. See, I think every one of us at some point asks the question, why am I here? What's my purpose? What is the meaning of life? I think these are questions we ask when we're dealing with spit up and dirty diapers day in and day out. When we're chauffeuring the kids, to this activity and that activity. When we're dealing with a teenager who's challenging the boundaries we've set. What's the meaning of life? What's our purpose? Well, the Bible tells us God designed us for meaning and purpose from the time we were born. In fact, he said, even before we were born. Psalm 139, 18 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, when it comes to purpose, I think we often ask ourselves self-focused questions, like, what do do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my dreams, my future? And those aren't bad questions, and they're certainly appropriate at times. But focusing on ourselves isn't going to reveal our life's true and primary purpose. Only the Creator can reveal His purpose. God has revealed His purpose for our lives in the Bible. It's our owner's manual. It's what we get to carry and have and read, explaining why we're alive, how life works, what to avoid, what to expect. Understanding God's purpose changes everything. It changes everything. It's gonna reduce our stress. It's gonna simplify our decisions. It's gonna bring more contentment. It's going to give us an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective comes by understanding our purpose comes from our identity. Now some of you know that I have an identical twin. Her name is Laura. I won't make you guess which one, but she's on the left. <laughs> she lives with her family in Franklin, Tennessee. Now our first job out of high school, we had the same first job. It was after our senior year, and it was in a local brand new Burger King. So we got to wear the beautiful brown and yellow and orange uniforms that we they had for us at the time. And we both worked as cashiers. So my sister was, the first cashier spot, and I was in the second cashier spot. And I remember a gentleman came in the door. Oh, by the way, that's my dad. I should have mentioned that. He turned 90 in July. Yeah. Um, But uh, this gentleman sauntered in to, to Burger King, and he looked at my sister at the first cash register, and then he looked up at the menu and kind of was thinking about what he wanted, and then he looked at me at the second cash register, and he said, does everybody look the same in this place? <laughs> well, as you can imagine, uh, we got, people mi- got us mixed up a lot um, as we were growing up, and even to this day, including Brian when we were first dating, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> the truth is, it wasn't until I was 23, married, and at this church, that for the first time in my life, I was consistently identified by my name, Lorene. Not one of the twins, not with a hi, <laughs> but as Lorene, Our purpose comes from identity, but I don't think you have to be a twin to struggle with identity issues. Identity is primarily concerned with the question, who am I? What do I think about myself? And there's only two places that we look for, can look for identity. We can look horizontally, we can look at creation, things like our possessions, our careers, our accomplishments, our spouse, our children. Come back to that in a minute, and the list goes on and on, horizontally. The problem is that created things were never designed to give us our identity. They weren't designed to satisfy our hearts, to give us peace or meaning or purpose. Every good thing, all those things mentioned, were designed for us to look at the creator for meaning and purpose. Now I want to talk just a moment about our temptation to get our identity from our children. Let me just say it's a very natural thing to do. It's a very hard thing not to do. In fact, I think every parent falls into this trap, very common trap. Paul David Tripp in his book Parenting says this about Parenting and identity. He says, Parenting is a miserable place to look for identity. Think about it. You're parenting lost, rebellious, foolish, blind, self ruling sinners. He goes on to say, I'm not picking on your children. I've just described every fallen human being born into God's world. And I was thinking, when we place our identity in our children, think about the roller coaster we're on when it depends on their behavior, right? He also goes on to say, it is a crushing burden for your children to have to get up every morning and carry the heavy load of your identity and meaning and purpose and all the expectations and demands that flow from it. No child will carry that load well. Moms, we can be passionate about being moms while at the same time understanding that our children aren't intended to give us our primary purpose for living. They grow up. We prepare them to leave and then what? Now our children can give us immense joy and love. They can teach us so many things. They teach us uh, and we grow in ways that we never would if we didn't have children. But they can't give us an anchored hope. They can't give us our worth for living. They can't give us peace that surpasses all understanding our kids were intended to be our little personal saviors. So we can look horizontally for our identity, or we can look vertically for our identity. <clears throat> our identity comes from God. <clears throat> Genesis 1:27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Know that the Lord is God, It is he who made us and we are his see the Bible tells us that only the one who made us can tell us who we are only the one who gave you life can give you your identity let me say that again only the one who gave you life can give you your identity Isaiah 43 says, listen to the Lord <clears throat> who created you. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Some of you may be familiar with who Priscilla Shire is. She's a well-known speaker and teacher, and we do some of her Bible studies here at Chapel Street. She, I follow her on social media, and not long ago she posted this verse, Isaiah 43.1. And she said this, posted this in her comments afterwards in bold capital letters. Listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Why do you think she thinks we need that reminder? Why do you think she needed to say that over and over? Well, I think because if you're like me, we let other voices determine our identity. We let our past and our failures determine our identity. We let our feelings of insecurity and inadequacy determine our identity. We let what other people think and say of us determine our identity. And so when she wrote this in caps, and what the Lord wants us to hear is, listen to the Lord, listen to the Lord, listen to the Lord. He has made us. He has redeemed us. We are his. Jesus in the New Testament, God in flesh, tells us who we are. He tells us why we're here. He says in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, when asked, what is the greatest commandment of them all? Says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Simply put, love God, love others. This is our purpose. Love God, love others. When somebody asks you, what, you know, what, what's our life purpose? What is it? Love God, love others. all about relationships. It's all about relationships. Loving God by getting to know him, by understanding through his word who he is, how he wants us to respond to others and treat others, how he wants us to love others by being the hands and feet of Jesus, by the way we show our care, by the way we um, show compassion and grace and forgiveness. By the way, we serve. So what's his purpose look like for us in this season? Your purpose in this season? Our boys all enjoyed sports from the time they were very little. Eventually, we were part of the travel sports world, which was really kind of just developing as our boys were growing up. And we had a lot of positive experiences through travel sports but there were certainly challenges as well along the way um, especially playing games on sunday mornings how many of you have entered the travel sports world yeah so you know this dilemma what this meant was that we were on the baseball fields at times on sunday mornings instead of at worship services i really we both my husband and i really wrestled with this how do we navigate it Do our boys miss those games? Do we miss church? Do we go to church on the road when we're out of town? And we ended up doing a little bit of everything. I was the one who would usually travel with boys since Brian was preaching on Sundays. Sometimes I'd take a devotional that we could read together. I'd find a church to go to, but sometimes we missed. And what I while I didn't like that and I had to battle feelings of guilt, I rested on the fact that worship is a priority for our family, that we value worshiping corporately together, that worship is more than Sunday mornings. It's a lifestyle. And while I don't condone missing church, what I came to realize was that it was a season of my life. In fact, it was a season within a season, and sometimes that's how I looked at some of these things my kids were doing, a season within a season. So I would go with them as much as I could, knowing this time was limited, it wouldn't be this way forever, and we could teach our boys the same thing. Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal a time to tear down and a time to rebuild a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance and then skipping ahead to verse 11 he has made everything beautiful in its time so what is this season what is this season maybe you can identify with the mom who said I'm just a mom I used to be someone Now I spend my days covered in peanut butter and jelly. I don't even know who I am anymore. Ever feel that way? This is a season of middle of the night feedings and potty training and class parties and field trips and parent-teacher conferences, of chauffeuring and attending activities and driving to events. It's a season of school dances and navigating the dating scene for some and graduations and diplomas. It's a season of investment and influence. It's a season of surrender, not surrender in the sense of giving up like like this, putting up the white flag, but a season of giving over, of surrendering by giving over to God, our plans in favor of his purposes and priorities. Moms, don't let anyone ever tell you that there's anything more important than what you're doing right now than this season You have a God-given purpose in this season, and it pleases God when we live it out. Some may be familiar with the name of Tony Campolo. He um, is a pastor, author, and speaker who tells a story about his wife. This was several years ago that he told this story, but his wife is a brilliant woman, has a PhD, and she could have chosen to go after a very profitable uh, career, but she chose to stay home with her children when they were young. And he tells a story about uh, the fact that she was very happy with that decision um, except for the times when Winwood would ask, so what do you do? And she would answer, well, I'm a homemaker. I, I stay home and care for my children, my husband. And they would usually respond with, oh, and then not talk to her anymore, kind of ignore her. So he tells a story that she came up with a response for the next time somebody asked her this question. And she decided she would say, I'm socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they may be the instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological, took me a while to say that, utopia that God willed from the beginning of creation. Use it, use it. She then asked politely and sweetly to the woman who asked her, and what is it that you do? <laughs> the woman answered humbly, I, I, I teach sociology, and wandered off with a dazed look in her eyes. <laughs> Raising children is a high and holy task. It's a holy and divine season. You have a purpose in it. Again, Paul David Tripp says this, In his book, he says, nothing is more important, let me say this before we go on to that one, nothing is more important in your life than being one of God's tools to form a human soul. Nothing is more important in your life than being one of God's tools to form a human soul. So, you moms are part of God's plan. You have been appointed to be that irreplaceable tool in the hand of God in the life of your children. So we're in a season, our kids are in a season, and it's unlike the seasons of the year that we're experiencing, that we experience every year, fall, winter, spring, summer, we get them more or less every year. But unlike those seasons, our seasons with our kids are one-time seasons, aren't they? They walk, they learn to walk and ride their bikes only once for the first time. We don't go back and do those first again when we get to support their dance shows, piano, recitals, sporting events, theater productions. It's a season. Let's live fully in it. So how do we live out God's purpose in this season? 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Let love be your greatest aim. Let love be your greatest aim. You see, it starts At home and we've talked about that before. With our in our marriages and with our children. See we're called to make love our priority and the most important place for that starts at home. If you're married it begins in your marriage relationship. Loving, respecting, (coughs) serving your husband and the same is true for him with you. It's the way you model a healthy marriage to your children. Now, if you're a single mom, it's the way you model positive relationships with other people. It starts with loving our children by the giving of your time and care and attention. So love starts at home, but what about outside the home? What about in church and community? There are opportunities that come along in our church and community because of this season, because of right where you are. Perhaps you've sensed God's Purpose is for you to be part of serving uh, out at your home church. Some of you are involved here at Chapel Street because of your season in our mom's ministries. Some of you, because of the season in your life, are, are involved in serving in the children's ministries. And by the way, if you are newer in your faith, new to the Bible, children's ministries is a great place to start. You learn along with your children. Or maybe God, you said it's God calling you to serve um, and love him and others through serving in your community. Last May, for those of you that were at Moms Together, you heard a panel of moms in this season who were shared about ways that they served in their communities. You heard from Ellie, who's in this room, who has a Love Your Neighbor Club that she's a part of, and they, um, a group of moms collect school supplies and others, other needed items for a local elementary school. You heard from Amanda, who co- co-founded Raising Just Kids, who looks to teach their this group looks to teach their kids to help others in meaningful ways, like visiting nursing homes and providing needs for others. You heard from Jesse, who co-founded Luggage of Love, an organization that provides suitcases for children in the foster care system. Opportunities to serve in this season of life. So how do you determine how and where to live out your purpose? Well, each of us is uniquely shaped for a purpose. So how many of you recognize this toy? How many of you have it in your homes right now or had it at one time? Yes, this little shaped toy. This toy belonged to our boys. It's probably close to 28, 29 years old. We've had it stored away, but this is one of their favorite toys because we get to watch them try and navigate putting the triangle in, finding the right one. Might take me a moment. But they learn, they learn that, you know, the, the square can't go into the circle, right? The square can only go where the square is designed to go. And here's the triangle. So they turn it and turn it. And what happens when they put it in there? Don't we clap? Kind of- Oh so excited we found where that one and that's a hexagon. And can you say hexagon? The star goes in the star. And just like the shapes that we teach our kids at these young ages, we're uniquely shaped to be part of God's kingdom work. Romans twelve, four through five. says this, in this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? It's pretty graphic, but it kind of makes the point. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body. Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without endlessly or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Look at those words, excellently formed. A marvelous part of the body, the family of God. Rick Warren wrote a book several years ago called Purpose Driven Life. He's a pastor and author, and he created an acronym to help us look at five factors that shape us and impact the way we live out our purpose. So he used that acronym, SHAPE, and we're just going to spend these next few minutes looking at what each of those is, stands for, what each letter stands for. So S, he starts with, telling us is spiritual gifts. Now, God gives every believer unique abilities given by the Holy Spirit to serve others. So, so for example, there's teachers and there's preachers. Pastor Brian and Jeff um, uh, have the gifts of preaching, hospitality, encouragement, administration, just a few of the spiritual gifts. Some of you have those gifts. More about that in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. You can look more there. So as for spiritual gifts, it's one of the factors that shapes us uh, in living out our purpose. And then H for heart. These are the things that bring joy and fulfillment to your life. You might say your passions. For me, music is one of my passions. I enjoy music. Worship music fills me in a way nothing else can. Sitting at the piano brings me joy. Brian's a pastor, but he has loved sports. Some of you are runners. You are fulfilled by running. It brings you joy, or cooking, or crafting. What is it that you enjoy? Your heart. A for abilities. These are natural abilities or special talents and skills. Maybe you enjoy decorating. You can contribute by creating beauty in your home or an event or a place that you are part of, gatherings. Or maybe you enjoy organizing. You have the ability to provide order in your home or outside your home. We have women who knit every week and some of them provide through their knitting abilities hats for chemo patients. So A for abilities, P for personality. This is a unique combination of personality traits and determines how you're going to use your gifts and abilities. So for example, if somebody has a gift of hospitality and they're extroverted, they might love to have big parties and big crowds and big groups over and, and just throw a party and have a great time that way. But maybe you're an introvert with the gift of hospitality. That would look different. You might enjoy having somebody one-on-one come over or meeting somebody one-on-one over coffee your unique personality and then finally experience experience God does not waste any of our past experiences in fact he uses our past experiences for our present and our future the character we studied this week Elizabeth um, in our study guide there's not a lot about Elizabeth in the Bible but the chapter that we uh, read and that uh, we hear about Elizabeth. What we learn is that God used her past, her life of faithfulness, of patience, her years of infertility to prepare her to be the mother of John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a loved one. God can use you to offer care and compassion to others going through the same experience. Maybe you've moved a lot. You know what it feels like to be on the outside you have a sensitivity to somebody who's new to a group or neighborhood. When our boys reached certain age milestones, 10 years old, 13 years old, 18 and 21, Brian and I wanted to create special events to serve as mile markers in each of our boys' lives at those ages. Each one looked a little bit different. For their 13-year-old mile marker, uh, the evening, it was an evening, and the evening would start out with dinner with mom. So I would just have one-on-one dinner with my son. And then Brian would pick him up, and he had arranged with three or four other men who had been significant in our son's lives, made an impact, to meet them at certain locations. So a coach, he'd meet maybe at a football field or a basketball court. And then maybe a youth leader, he'd meet here at church. And this was time for that man to speak words of affirmation and encouragement into our son's right during those awkward middle school years. Well, it was time for our youngest son, Canaan, he's the youngest of our four boys, to mark this milestone. So we went through the same tradition with him, got different men um, lined up to meet with him. And uh, Grandpa Coffee, Brian's dad, happened to be in town, so we arranged for him to meet Canaan at one of the last stops of the evening. So this was our son, Canaan, on the left. This was nine years ago. He's 22 today, but this was... Um, at 13 and um, Papa, uh, Papa's last name is Coffee, he loves coffee so Starbucks seemed appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so as Brian did with the other men, he gave time one-on-one for Canaan to have with Papa. And he, they spent some time together and um, we didn't know, of course Brian didn't hear what Papa had to say, but when Papa came home with Canaan, he pulled me aside and he so sweetly shared with me what he said to Canaan. He said, I looked him in the eye and I said, Canaan, you have three older brothers that you've watched go before you. You've seen them on the fields and on the courts. You've seen their successes and you've seen their disappointments. And while they're wonderful brothers, God doesn't want you to be another Jordan, Jesse, or Micah. God wants you to be Canaan. God made you to be you. My eyes filled with tears, like they are right now, as I thought about him speaking purpose into our young son and identity and reminding him that he has a unique role in God's kingdom. And you know what, God is speaking that purpose into you too. He doesn't need another Michelle or Gretchen or Cheryl as wonderful and amazing as those women are He wants you to be you. He has shaped you uniquely for this purpose and even in this season of fatherhood You have a purpose in his kingdom Will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can come here and study today about purpose You are a God of purpose and you have wired each of us for purpose in your kingdom May we live out our purpose in loving you and loving others. May we recognize and, and um, appreciate the gifts that we each have and that it's different than each other. May be reassured, Father, that you are with us as we live out each day and equip us for the purpose we were designed to serve. We give you this day and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good morning in your groups.